I think crypto has just sort of been this cockroach technology that I just think it's really hard to bet against the trending in, in crypto. And this one is like, it's crypto, but then it's also, it has this sort of mainstream angle where you can paint a picture of how this could be huge. Like, I think as a counter argument, you could look at something like virtual reality and you could say, it's cool, wacky and weird. The hard thing is just like under what time horizon, if it's weird and wacky and there's a view of the future where this becomes a big thing, then I think that's like worth paying attention to. And then it's just a matter of like, how long do you want to stay in the space? What is up, you beautiful bastards? It is your boy, Pinball, a.k.a. Rob, I can't lose, a.k.a. Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to Devin Finzer. He's the co-founder of OpenSea.io. They are the largest marketplace for NFTs. That is not non-fungible tacos. This company was founded in 2017 before these NFTs were cool. NFTs are non-fungible tokens. It's kind of like the new crypto art digital stuff. It's wild and it might be big or it could be a big flop. In February of 2021, they did $95 million in digital merchandise on their marketplace. Why is that interesting? Because literally the month before, they only did $8 bucks. So folks, NFTs are here in a gigantic way. Will it be a fad or is it going to stick around? We'll find out. I'm talking with the guy who recently also got $24 million from A16Z to fund this company. If you ever want to learn about the future in general and where to invest in this space of NFTs, you're going to love this episode. In this conversation, you're going to enjoy three gigantic things. Are NFTs a bubble? What type of NFTs are the most undervalued? And how blockchains creating a second internet? Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. Before we dive in the show, make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash okdork. That's it. You know what to do. Also, a special pre-show shout out to listener Filmo123. He left reviews saying, best review ever. Okay, probably not the best, but I've been listening to you forever and I wanted to finally write a review. Honestly, I love every single one of you guys. You're so amazing. I'm so glad we got to connect on this lifetime. If you want to shout out in a future episode, just like Filmo123, leave a review wherever you listen to this podcast or tweet at me at Noah Kagan. I check every single one of your responses. Your life must be crazy. I was thinking, dude, is this shit just nuts? Yeah, definitely. It is. It is pretty crazy, actually. Yeah, it's a, a little overwhelming at times, but you know, it's exciting. Yeah, I was just more interested in connecting and hearing about it. Yeah. Well, we're getting a lot of, I mean, pretty much everyone, all of the kind of big brands and celebrities and influencers are kind of trying to figure out what to do. So they're all, they're talking to us, they're talking to other people in the space. But yeah, everyone's just like rushing in and, you know, it's kind of like a, the Wild West out there. But it'll be interesting to see what sort of cyclical trend everything follows, right? Because it's on its way up right now. I'm sure there'll be some sort of smoothening of the of that curve. But for now, it's just, yeah, it's just the madhouse of lots of things going on. Can you talk to describe what the madhouse looks like? Our big challenge is that our customer support and our product are like very shaped around early adopter communities that, you know, know how to use the technology, like kind of get set up, get crypto. Like there's a lot of things that are really tricky about using our product. And so we had this one email where all of the customer support requests were going into. And it was just, we had like two customer support people full time trying to get through all of the issues. And it was just clogging up and, you know, completely unscalable. Then we moved to Zendesk, uh, but we still are still just trying to scale up that operation because people are so confused about how crypto works. Right. And we're still a team of like 12 people. So uh, good for you guys, man. Well, it's good, but it, it's also a little scary. It's like we really need to get our shit together and 
get the right people on board and get the engineering team in a good place. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I wish we had scaled up a little faster when we had conviction that the market was growing as opposed to like waiting until it hit this level to ramp things up. I guess the two things with everything going on, I was curious, like, what did you see early on that gave you conviction this was going to be anything? I would say, you you remember CryptoKitties, right? I heard of it, but I didn't, I was like, all right, there's some like pixels and people are selling. Well, I honestly think like, I mean, maybe it was naive of us, but the fact that people were buying and selling digital cats for hundreds of thousands of dollars was just like so bizarre that you got to look a little more into it and figure out what's going on. Like rarely do you see something like that. And, you know, maybe it it fades away for a little bit, but usually there's some, it's symbolic of some larger trend. Like Bitcoin was similar, right? Like there's all this weird Bitcoin stuff going on, like these hacks and like, you know, just weird stuff. And then eventually Bitcoin became a massive thing. It just took way longer than people thought. Like I remember hearing about Bitcoin and thinking kind of similarly, right? Like, oh, okay, you know, digital currency sounds interesting. Sure, like I'm going to go back to my life now. But then, you know, a couple of years later, it's huge. So I think we have the same intuition around crypto games. It's like, this is super weird. Like, what's going on here? And usually when there's something weird going on, it means that something down the road is going to happen around it. So we dug into it and we're like, okay, what does this actually mean? Well, what it means is that for the first time, people can own stuff on the internet. We have all of these digital assets and stuff that we consume on the internet. We have our Twitter handles, we have our photos on Instagram, but we only own them within the context of one particular platform. You can't go and sell your Twitter handle on some other site or like move it between these different platforms. And so there's there's really no property rights on the internet. So what would it mean to have real property rights on the internet? Well, we think all sorts of new markets that just couldn't exist will emerge and, and are starting to emerge. And one of those markets is maybe the one that's easiest to wrap one's head around is this idea of digital art. So if you think about why is physical art valuable, it's not you're not buying a piece of physical art for the raw materials. You wouldn't sell a replica of the Mona Lisa that was, you know, visually identical and near physically identical for a hundred million dollars. But the original Mona Lisa, the fact that there are property rights attached to it and you can prove that you own it and you can prove that this this is the actual Mona Lisa, means a lot. And you can't do that in the digital world up until now. There's no neutral way to say this particular piece of digital art is the original and it's owned by this address. Now we have that. And so then the market can sort of start to emerge from there. And it's not going to happen overnight. People aren't going to like suddenly value digital assets as much as physical ones. But um, it's already happening with things like, are you familiar with CryptoPunks? Yeah. Like CryptoPunks were given away for free back in 2017, there are 10,000 of them, and now they sell for millions. You can make all of these arguments that CryptoPunks aren't valuable, but at the end of the day, someone paid a million dollars for them, and that's really all that, that matters, right? Or that's all, all that, like, that's a fact, right? That's kind of the, the answer is, like, we saw, we saw weird stuff happening, we investigated further and realized that, you know, this was actually a pretty significant shift that just would take a while. You guys launched when? In early 2018. So for 2018, did you guys have signs like, you know, was it early at Facebook or if you look at Twitter stats or if you look at some of these products, it was like, there's a retention numbers that are crazy. Or there, did you see something early on that was like, wow, you know, at 2018, there wasn't much happening. And then, you know, did you see things happening or what? Yeah, did you see yeah we saw growth, like, I mean, steady growth. We, I mean, the biggest thing we saw was just 
after CryptoKitties launched, lots of game companies got really interested. And, you know, there were like CryptoKitties clones. There were like projects launching every once in a while that were doing interesting stuff in the space. You know, there were like people talking about it. Our user growth was like steadily going up. It was, it was just, it was clear there was like passion and an excitement. It was just not from mainstream people. It was from like the early adopter classic, like just early adopter, obviously being the, the first ones to adopt it, right? But there was always this feeling that this was like an inevitable thing. I don't think we ever really doubted that at some point the market would take off. I think what we didn't realize was under what condensed time period it would happen. Like at first we thought it would happen faster. Then it just kind of like flatlined for a while. And then it happened all of a sudden, right? So it's like slowly and then boom, like things take off. That's all to say, like, I think we're still really early. If you look at like the number of people actually interacting with these things, it's it's still not huge. But the like excitement and media around it has been a lot more than I expected. Well, first off, congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> it's not often that you get to experience hyper growth. It's true. Yeah. You know, started a bunch of companies, worked in them, I've been a lot, like not often do the companies explode like the Ubers and I would say the open seas. Yeah, I wouldn't put us in that category by any means, but but yeah, like definitely things have shifted a lot. I do think that for us it's gonna be can we actually execute on what we want to do. Just taking one one for one point of clarity, you always thought it was gonna be big, but and it was based on like there was something weird. I just think what I'm trying to figure out is like, okay, the pattern matching of like something happened but maybe it didn't hit the mainstream. I guess I'm curious like what should I be looking for now or for everybody else? Yeah. But like for future types of there's survivorship bias, right? Like there's probably a lot of other weird things that people looked at and I guess it's like it's weird and it's crypto. It's like I didn't bet against crypto, but I didn't I you know, I bought some Bitcoin or whatnot, but like I didn't go deep into it. And it just proved to be real so many times and, and for so long. I think crypto has just sort of been this cockroach technology that I just think it's really hard to bet against the trending in, in crypto. And this one is like it's crypto, but then it's also it has this sort of mainstream angle where you can paint a picture of how this could be huge. Like I think from the beginning, you could always paint a picture of how this could get incredibly huge. Now, I mean, as a counter argument, you could look at something like virtual reality and you could say, it's cool, wacky and weird. And it's always a question of like under what time horizon, right? Because like, virtual reality was cool, wacky and weird like a couple of years ago. And just now it's getting a little bit more mature. I think it's in a pretty exciting state. I don't follow the space closely, but I don't know if it's quite as much of a renaissance. But yeah, I, I guess the, the hard thing is just like under what time horizon. And obviously, like there's certain things that are wacky and weird that are just dumb. <laughs> uh, but like, if it's weird and wacky, and there's a view of the future where this becomes a big thing, then I think that's like worth paying attention to. And then it's just a matter of like, how long do you want to stay in the space? I guess, what was the first thing that sold? And then like, what tipped it recently? Recently? So I guess a confluence of things like, I mean, Top Shot, are you familiar with Top Shot? Yeah. They're not big for us because we don't trade their cars on OpenSea, but they brought in a lot of momentum into the space. There was a project called Hash Masks that was kind of like CryptoPunks and had some of those attributes associated with it that people really liked and that a lot of the whales engaged with. There's been new creators coming in the space, so like Mark Cuban started doing NFTs, Lindsay Lohan launched some stuff, Soldier Boy, 2 Chains, a lot of the rappers. We did a drop with Sean Mendez, Kings of Leon. 
Oh, actually, a big catalyst was this one called Beeple. Have you heard of Beeple? I've heard. Yeah, he's the guy who sold. It's like a $5 million or $4 million. Yeah, that was a big one. Like, I think that generated a lot of buzz. And I think it got sort of the artist community pretty interested. Then Grimes did a drop recently that was pretty big. Blau, Three Lau, the DJ. I saw the Three Lau drop, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's just sort of a cascading thing, right? Like one one guy is successful and then everyone else comes in. There's an open question around whether this, like these amounts are sustainable at all. Probably the answer is no, right? Like I don't think that every celebrity or artist can expect to sell millions of dollars of digital assets. I think a lot of those people are, are hoping that they'll be able to resell them for higher, and that's probably not going to be the case. One thing I was trying to figure out, I mean, talk about bubbles and stuff like that. I also want to talk about like what do you guys need help with? Maybe you know, I want to talk to you where, maybe towards the end where I can help you, or even the, the audience. Sure. One thing I was wondering is if, if I buy a thing, let's say a Top Shot, I can't resell on yours, but what if Top Shot goes out of business? Like, where is my GIF hosted? Who's hosting the, the digital art? It differs. Sometimes it's hosted centrally, probably in the case of Top Shot, it's hosted centrally. Other times it's hosted on a decentralized file system. So like a file system that can't be sort of shut down when the game or the project shuts down. And in that scenario, it would, you know, even if Top Shot went away, then the, the Top Shot items would still be around. And that's the case for a lot of the digital art is they're hosted on um, centralized file systems. What about for you guys? Like if I buy like a piece through you? Depends on the piece. I mean, because we support all sorts of things, right? We the only reason we don't support Top Shot is because they're not on Ethereum, but we support all the other platforms on Ethereum. Oh, because they're on Flow Token. Is that why you can't do Yeah, it? they're on Flow. Yeah. So one thing I'm curious for you is that at Sumo.com, we built Shopify apps like probably about two years ago. And I remember as we were building it, uh-huh. I was like, well, if our apps don't do well, maybe if Shopify does well, at least I'll be covered. So I went and bought Shopify stock. <laughs> and then our apps didn't really do well, but the Shopify stock has like, exploded. <laughs> and so I guess I was curious your your thought from your personal investment. You know, obviously your company mm-hmm. wants that to be as valuable as possible. But like, did you go and buy a lot of the, the crypto stuff early on and, and continually? Or is it more like, I'm not as worried about that. And I just focus on, on the platform. Well, I think at a high level, like one of the amazing things about crypto is in tech, you can buy the like stock of a public company. But for the most part, these companies that you're really excited about are in the tech world private. Like it's really hard to get a piece of uber when it's in its infancy but in crypto one of the really exciting things is you can be like directionally right but like you can be off on your timing and still do really well financially so like pretty much all the people who are in crypto today have bought ethereum if not just for like practical purposes (laughs) they need ether to like use the applications right because ETH is sort of the currency that most people transact in and then as ether grows in value you know, maybe depending on how much they bought, right, like, they are successful, even if their particular application isn't that successful. Or in DeFi, right, like, maybe you you get a piece of one of these DeFi protocols that you're excited about. And it's just so easy to get into them versus like, in your case, buying Shopify stock, you had to go and like, figure out the way to buy (laughs) Shopify stock, which isn't that hard. But like, you had to go and be more deliberate about it. I think in crypto, it's like, everything's so interconnected, and it's all part of the same ecosystem that most people own like a stake in in one or one or more of these protocols. And I think that's one of the interesting things about being a founder because in crypto specifically, because if you were doing this in the dot com era, if your dot com startup failed, you probably wouldn't have stake in the whole ecosystem and you see so you just wouldn't do well. Whereas crypto, it's like I think a lot of people are going to do really well 
even if all of the products don't necessarily take off. Well, I guess that's what I was wondering for you. Like, did you go buy a lot of Ethereum? So for me, as this whole bubble, I would call it is to me, it's this wild bubble where like basketball gifts are, I mean, why is art worth whatever it is? Or why are like Nike Mm -hmm. shoes worth it? You know, because there's demand and people will buy it. Yeah, I guess I've always been in like the picks and shovels business. So like, I like your business. I like like the rare bowl and like the market places because like, and so that's why I wonder like, you know, is it better to go and build the platforms? And like lately, I just buy more Ethereum. And if people are going to go buy all this shit with Ethereum, I don't really care which NFTs do well. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think NFTs are a lot trickier to invest in directly because they're just a more sophisticated market. I think you're right in the sense that like if you're looking to sort of profit financially off of the space, it depends what you want to do, right? Like for us, you know, we're very interested in kind of the vision behind what we're building with OpenSea. Um, obviously, we want to build it into a big business, but, you know, we've always thought very long term about how do we like provide, how do we kind of enable the brand new economy that we've we've always been passionate about. But I think, yeah, there's like, there's no reason that people who are like, if you do your research and you dig in and you realize like NFTs are really cool, there's lots of ways you can participate in the upside of that, either by buying Ethereum or buying NFTs directly. There's just, it's really, again, the, the wild west. And you have to be careful about how much you invest, obviously. But I think people would have said similar things about Bitcoin in its early days. It kind of felt like, you know, just completely new territory. And if you may want to take a small bet on that trend being huge, I personally think that it is going to be really huge. Because I've been buying more of the Ethereum and the NFTs, I was trying to understand just to kind of see, like, I don't know, it's fun. It's like when people, when Facebook came out 12 years ago or whatever the fuck, people were like, that's stupid. And then it's like, and it became normal. And then people like crypto, it's stupid. Now it's kind of here. I, I think one of the things I, I enjoy about this NFT experience is it's making the, the cryptocurrencies actually usable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Top Shot and you guys, to some extent, I mean, people aren't talking about crypto as much as they're like, oh, they're digital assets that I can be buying. Yeah. Yeah. And that part, I'm like, it's good. It makes the, the environment more rich versus like you had it before and you're like, oh, yeah, it's a store of value. Yeah. I mean, it's like at some point you need a, an actual economy around these digital assets, right? And the NFT use case is like the first instance of e-commerce emerging in the crypto world. And uh, yeah, it's very exciting. What was the first sale you guys did? It was probably like we were testing something. Uh, But the first real thing that sold? Gosh, I don't know. We had some really big sales early on that we were kind of surprised by. So like there was this uh, crypto celebrities trading card game that got pretty out of control. And, you know, things sold for like tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars for that. But yeah, I don't remember. Probably the, well, probably the first thing we sold was a crypt, actually, undoubtedly, it was a crypto kitty of some sort. Yeah. And what's been like the highest thing you guys have sold? The highest thing, I think we sold something for, I want to say 1.3 million. What was that? It was a, maybe that was someone else. Like maybe ours is an 800k. I don't, I should know the answer to that. But, uh, there was one piece of digital land that sold for a lot. It was like in some virtual world. So yeah, don't quote me on that last one because I don't, I don't remember if it was us. But something over a million dollars is what we can probably put out there. Yeah, I think we sold something for over a million dollars. <laughs> Do you remember Second Life at all? Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I just remember they had like the land and people could buy. It's kind of like yeah. another variation that, that's not trapped in some specific world. It's more of like an open Oh world. yeah, that's exactly the right way to think about it. Yeah. Every game economy up to date for the most part has been a centrally controlled command and control economy with no imports, no exports, 
no foreign trade, no sort of endorsement, with some exceptions, not much endorsement of entrepreneurial activity, and just this closed system where it's really hard for someone to participate in it like they would a real economy. This technology makes those digital economies, turn those digital economies into real economies, real free market economies, where you can do literally whatever you want with the land. You could go and take a loan out on it. You could go and trade it on some other marketplace. You could go and bring your items from one virtual world into another world eventually. Yeah. So it's basically like an opening up of something like Second Life into a much broader ecosystem. Yeah. I'm curious because like my brother last week, he's like, dude, I think we, I think I'm going to buy some Bitcoin. I'm like, that's cool, dude. 10 years late. <laughs> no, no, and it could be ten years early, like you know, the next fifty or a hundred, a thousand years. Yeah. I guess I'm yeah. curious from an, like uh, if your parents came to you today, what would you advise them in terms of this, you know, like NFT world? Like, stay out, wait for it to settle, go buy this stuff. Like, what would you recommend for them, or like your, you know, a family member? Just from a purely financial standpoint, yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily recommend buying a lot of NFTs as like an investment unless you're willing to like do a lot of research because they're just more complicated. You could buy an NFT index. Those are starting to exist. There's NFT indexes? Yeah. No, what? Yeah, there's. it's like called NFTX.org. What? But it's it's still pretty basic. I, I've never done it before. I'm not a huge like Bitcoin person. I guess I've been sort of like, Bitcoin doesn't excite me that much, to be honest. But there's a very compelling theoretical case for why Bitcoin could continue going up in price. So I don't want to ignore that if I was giving advice. Ethereum, I think, has a long way to go still. So I would say maybe like Ethereum and a mix of, you know, alternative layer one blockchains that are trying to compete with Ethereum. Interesting. So if you're, you know, family member, you wouldn't actually say go buy NFTs right now. Well, I would say go check out all the NFTs. And, you know, if there's something that excites you and like if there's a creator that you want to support or if there's a game you want to play some economy you want to participate in, then maybe buy an NFT, right? Or like if you think CryptoKitties are awesome and you want to show one off on your, you know, in your account, then that's a good reason to buy an NFT. But I would say like if you're going to try to invest in NFTs, that's not the main purpose of them in my opinion. Huh, go on with that. Because I think that's actually counter to what... So my problem is that it's all these Robinhood, Wall Street bets, YOLO traders that are buying the NFTs and like kind of running uh, the speculation to these levels of to me, it don't make sense. Like I bought uh, two Top Shots, or three of them actually, and they all went down fifty percent like two days later, like yesterday. And I, I spent like forty dollars, and I was like, okay, great. I'm glad I got to learn how this is, but I'm also seeing what the speculation is like. Yeah, yeah. If you don't think it's investment, what do you what do you see it as? I mean, I just see it as uh, there is that angle to it, but I don't think that's the only angle, right? I think there's an angle where a digital asset can just, or an NFT can represent any sort of digital asset that might have inherent utility to it, or might be a way to support an artist in the same way that people buy art, not because it's necessarily an investment, but because they want to show it off somewhere, right? Like a lot of people buy digital art to show it off in their virtual houses on Decentraland or CryptoVoxels, which are definitely worth checking out. So I just think that, yeah, there there is a, a little bit of a mania around buying and selling these things but at the end of the day they they can represent all sorts of things that have either inherent utility or provenance associated with like a particular creator i still think you guys win at the end of the day you and ethereum the platforms like the influencers who are talking about it but like the people who are buying and selling speculatively i think kind of like the stock market you have to be a professional at some point 
versus like kind of buying and praying. Right. I am curious. Have you seen any NFTs out there that you're like, wow, that's way overpriced or like it's way underpriced? Well, the ones that I think are underpriced are um, crypto domain names. So there is yet to be like a speculative craze around crypto domain names. So there's ENS, Ethereum Name Service, and dot crypto names. And these are both like the equivalent of dot coms in the dot com time, right? I think that these are extremely undervalued. Like if you look at the market, history for them you know every now and then one will sell for a couple of eth you guys sell them on open sea don't you mm -hmm. yeah like fundraise.eth sold for 0 0.07 eth really not that much and that's like a in my opinion the prime piece of internet real estate so i think that's a very overlooked market can you search them on your site to buy them mm -hmm. yeah huh, so i can search noah.eth yeah noah.eth oh dude it's for sale it's sold. Oh, it's owned by someone. Owned by Noah. <laughs> I'm so surprised. Oh, that's pretty interesting. So you can actually see, I think that's one of the things about crypto that I find pretty fascinating is like, you can really kind of almost quote unquote see the owners. Yeah. Con, do you guys sell crypto domains? Like dot crypto? Uh, yeah, we sell those too. Yeah. How come it, like if I search Noah dot crypto, it doesn't come up? Um, maybe no one's bought it. No way. This is super interesting. I never even like, it didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. What are the things like this I think are like the people don't know about like the domain stuff? I think virtual land is still pretty underappreciated. So are you familiar with like Decentraland or CryptoVoxels? Sorry, what? Decentraland or CryptoVoxels? No. It's like Second Life where you own land inside of the virtual world and then you can build stuff on top of that land. And uh, the leaders are called uh, Decentraland and CryptoVoxels and then the Sandbox. Decentraland? Decentraland, yeah. So there's Decentraland. Yeah. And then CryptoVoxels. Come on, CryptoVoxels? Yep. This is such an interesting time, man. It's like, <laughs> hold on, so CryptoVoxels, you, you can buy land? Uh, Yeah. Who's behind MetaMask? A company called Consensus. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I think like if everyone's chasing NFT, it's like you guys, MetaMask, like the ones who are providing the tools, I think are the interesting ones. Yeah. We hope so, too. <laughs> what do you guys need help with? Hiring is a big one. Yeah, it's probably the biggest one. Scaling up our customer support and BD operations. Your specialty is kind of marketing, right? Yeah. That is an area where we'll eventually need help is on the marketing side and doing more marketing experiments. Yeah. Do you have any horror stories with this NFT stuff? Well, recently we have had a lot of trouble just scaling up the website. And we've had some situations where like the website will go down. We're trying to get a lot better at that, unfortunately. Nothing yet. Yeah, nothing too bad. Well, I meant more, more from like people, just from the market, not just from your. I don't necessarily need a horse or the open sea, but like in the market, if you heard people buy it and then just things get like go down a lot or like. One of the things that we're really investing in as a company is ensuring that. So, one thing that happens when a new NFT launches is, let's say, CryptoPunks just launched and it's really popular and everyone's buying and selling CryptoPunks. Well, one thing that will happen is someone will make an another NFT that looks visually identical to CryptoPunks and then try to sell it, right? And so we've had to put a lot of measures in place to prevent people from being able to do that. How do you verify? Well, it's not hard to verify once you know about it, right? Because the CryptoPunks contract address is a specific address. And so you can immediately check whether something's a CryptoPunks if you, know the ad if, if you look at the address. But for users, you know, it'll look visually identical. And so we have a warning on anything that's not been sort of like vetted already. 
Yeah. But we need to scale that up because now we're getting more and more projects. So that's sort of like an area where we want to, you know, do more sophisticated stuff like detecting duplicates or like images that are identical and stuff like that. I guess two things I'm curious, like one, I was on a date last night and the girl was trying to set up MetaMask <laughs> to get Kings of Leon thing. And I was like, really? Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, it's cool. I guess it made me curious to talk about with you or just hear what are your thoughts like the Kings of Leon? Like what are the, I think the digital picture stuff, people are like, oh, I get it. Like the NBA Top Shot. Oh, I get it. But I'm curious what that, where that evolves. Like I was talking to a lunch, friend at lunch that I was going to tell him I was hanging out with you. How does a house work via NFT or is there, what are the, some of the future applications that? Oh, like physical real estate? Yeah, real estate or what other future NFT things like you think will be coming out? I think a big one that I'm excited about is event tickets. So like, you know, there's not any reason that that Kings of Leon drop could have been for tickets to some concert or something, right? You know, that's not as applicable now because of COVID, but maybe there's virtual events and like things like that. In terms of like further down the road, you know, it could represent anything, right? So if you wanted to represent a piece of real estate in the physical world, you could do that, right? You could go and make an NFT and say, if you buy this NFT, I'll give you my house and you could sell it, right? The nuance, of course, is that there's an element of trust there, right? You're trusting that if someone buys your NFT, then you'll give them your house. And so whenever you're connecting the digital world and the physical world, there has to be some connective tissue to link those two together. And so that's why I think like starting with the digital is is really interesting in the in the virtual worlds where like you know that as long as the game respects the ownership of the blockchain then buying this piece of virtual land you know works right yeah but there's all sorts of other things that you know i think the the design space is just uh, super wide it's interesting so you guys are basically you and the not just nft but the way that ethereum and, and this world you're it's kind of creating a second internet yeah yeah i think so like my friend is a popular he's an investor he's like He's excited for like all this stuff to displace Facebook. And I was like, what do you mean displace Facebook? But basically like how people can connect, as you said earlier, take your Twitter name separately. I thought that was kind of a fascinating concept. Uh, concept. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like one of the really interesting things about this whole space is it's the first time that users own data. So on Facebook or Instagram, you don't own your Instagram posts and Facebook can do whatever they want with them. You, you can't sell them, right? Like you can't take them somewhere else. Like, but in this world, I can go and I can buy an NFT on OpenSea, and I can go and take it to another marketplace. I can go and take it inside my virtual house. Whoa. I can go and take it wherever I want, and I own it. I mean, OpenSea has nothing to do with it in the sense that we don't have any control over it, right? We just allow you to browse things and then allow you to buy and sell things. And that, we're just like eBay, where eBay doesn't own your like coffee yeah. mug that you're trying to sell. They're just letting you list it, right? That's really powerful. It, and it's really giving people a glimpse of what a future could look like where you own your data. And I think one of the things that is starting to happen is people are realizing that the economic activity of the internet has been monopolized by a few companies. And there's this whole economy that is sort of just doesn't exist because of the business models of Facebook, Google, Amazon. And what happens if you open up those economies and, and let people kind of capture a lot of that value? And what's crazy is that some people are doing that, right? They're going and quitting their jobs and becoming full-time digital artists and people are buying their work. And, you know, there's this speculative fervor that's <laughs> driving some of this, but like 
the one last thing I'd say on this is I think a lot of people try to like disrupt Facebook by like taking Facebook's exact model and building it on crypto. And I don't think that is effective at all. But I do think that there's these things that Facebook doesn't know or care about until they get super big. And then suddenly you realize the whole paradigm has shifted. And like, suddenly, yeah, I know you had role, dude. It's just this honestly, because like, I'm like at the not dumbass level, but like, earlier, later, early adopter, late adopter, you know, yeah. just on the spectrum. So it's interesting to just see the different uh, the insights because this is your life. Like you think I think about YouTube all the time. You're thinking about crypto and NFT. Right, and right, platform. Right. Yeah. And the last thing I'll, we'll end it up because I'm going to yeah. rock too. What makes something a hit versus a dud with this all this NFT stuff right now? I guess there's a lot of different ways that things can be successful. One is like really pushing the envelope and engaging the crypto community. So the crypto community is really unique and weird. Like they like things like crypto punks and it's awesome, but like. They have a lot of money to spend and they have interesting tastes and they like things that push the envelope. Like they like generative art projects where a generative art project is like something where the data of the blockchain determines what the piece of art looks like. Those do really well. And it limited, very limited supply, like that type of thing really resonates with the crypto community. But then, of course, on the other hand, you have the mainstream people who are like Topshot is really resonating with, right? And so, you know, there it's more like traditional IP coming into the space and like resonating with people who like basketball, right? Or like really into trading cards. And then the other category is more like, I don't know, just getting a really big, big name celebrity on board is <laughs> like the other thing, right? But I don't know how long that's necessarily gonna, gonna last because I just, it's hard to say, even in all three of these categories, what's the, the persistence of the demand for pure sort of collectible art pieces versus things that have real utility. So I think moving forward, bringing more utility to the to the various things that are on sale, I think is going to be really important. Dude, super interesting, man. You guys, are, I mean, you're on day two, two year, but still early on in the, in the journey. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. You have a good day. Well, that is a wrap. I hope you love the episode as much as I did. Devin is the man. If you want to give them some more love, go check out OpenSea.io. Next, text a friend you love them. Yo, dog, let's go make some digital art together. <laughs> and before you go, tweet at me, at Noah Kagan. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Also, I want to let you know about my producer, Jeremy's new podcast, where he interviews people who are working side-by-side -side with entrepreneurs and creators to show you what it's like behind the scenes of these big businesses. He's interviewed people who work with me, Naval, Gary Vee, Jesse Isler, Logan Paul, Mark Benson. You get the idea. Go check out his podcast, BackstageCareers.com, or just type in Backstage Careers anywhere you listen to your podcasts. I recommend it. Finally, a couple shout outs to my amazing team. Thank you for every one of y'all. Jason at PodcastTech.com, who makes these podcasts sound amazing. Mitchell, Jeremy, Hubert, Jonathan, Sasa, and Jen from the Dork Team. Damn, there's a lot of y'all. And finally, shout out to Jerry Lazo, who does all the creative director at AppSumo. This guy is amazing. Thank you for the new branded video thumbnail of AppSumo. Have a Salt Lake City day. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream?